Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of The Jadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valier. Glad to have you with us on a Saturday here in sunny, a little bit overcast, Lynchburg, Virginia. It is Saturday, September 11th, 2021. It is the eve of the first NFL Sunday of the 2021 season. Very exciting. It's also two weeks from today is uh, my wedding day. I thought I'd start off by talking briefly, very briefly about that. It's very fun uh, to be this close to probably the biggest day of my life. Um, I don't know how many other big days I'll have in my life outside of one day when I have children. I'm sure the day that they will be born will be big days as well. But two weeks from now, I get married uh, to my future wife and currently fiance, Claire. Um, we will be getting married down in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Very excited about that. And uh, then we go on our honeymoon after that. Get two weeks off of work for the wedding and the honeymoon. That is that is very nice, and so I am excited about that, um, but it is very exciting if anybody out there listening is married and feels like there is some dying wish that you would like for me to know about as wedding advice, please feel free to uh, let me know because I very much appreciate stuff like that. So, yeah, that's coming up. That is my wedding day in two weeks, and then, um, like I said, today is also the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. And so I uh, also wanted to extend my condolences to anyone listening who might have lost somebody or known of somebody that lost somebody uh, on 9-11 uh, back 20 years ago. I was only, I think a month, er- a month earlier, I had just turned three years old on 9-11. And um, I, you know, don't remember it, obviously, but I've obviously seen a lot of news coverage of, you know, when anniversaries come and documentaries and I've. I'm well-versed in uh, the events that happened on 9-11, and uh, like I said, anybody out there that knows of somebody that died or knew somebody that died, whether through a friend or family member, uh, 9-11, 20 years ago, my condolences with you. All right, uh, so the NFL did kick off a couple nights ago, and I was going to briefly preview it, before the game, but I was not able to because I have been very busy at work recently. Um, But it is the weekend. It is Saturday, so I do have a little bit of time to talk about it. So the Cowboys and the Buccaneers played. Okay, Um, The betting line on that game was Tampa Bay minus 8.5, and I was going to tell all of you that I thought that was a rich betting line and that that was the easiest pick of the week was to take the Cowboys at plus eight and a half, which is what I did, and I was successful. I didn't think Dallas would win, but I'd think they would make it a one-score game, and uh, they ended up, you know, Dallas plus eight and a half ended up being the pick, the winning bet, and um, it's very interesting. So the Cowboys lost to Tampa Bay tw- uh, 31-29 on opening day. Tom Brady, four touchdowns, threw for over 300 yards. He actually threw the ball 50 times. <laughs> His yards were the third most in his time with the Bucks. Um, it's very funny. Tampa Bay won, but they committed four turnovers, and they committed a whole bunch of penalties. And all, all in all, they didn't look great. They, they gave up 451 yards. They, Dallas had more total yards than Tampa Bay. They, won, they lost the turnover battle at minus three to start the season. They were sort of dominated in time of possession. They had a worse third down percentage than the Cowboys offense did. 
and they committed 11 penalties. Like, Tampa Bay did not play well, and they won. Tom Brady threw two interceptions, neither of which was necessarily his fault. One was, you know, a little bit of a high screen pass to Leonard Fournette. The second was a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. But Tampa Bay won, and they put together an, a methodical game-winning drive to win that game at the end of regulation. And Tampa Bay feels worse about themselves after winning. They come away saying, we need a lot to clean up. There's a lot to clean up, and that's what happens when you're a winner. When you're a winner like Tom Brady, and you're a winner like Bruce Arians, and a winner like a lot of the guys on that Buccaneers roster, just winning a week one home game against an inferior team does not do anything for you. That's what winners do, is win. And that's what the Bucs did. But there was so much wrong with what they did, on, especially on offense, but defensively, they let Dak throw for over 400 yards and three touchdowns on them in the first time we've seen that defense returning almost all of its starters for the second straight year with the defensive coordinator who got an extension last offseason, Todd Bowles. They were sort of a mess, gave up a lot of big plays and committed a lot of unnecessary penalties. And they don't feel good about themselves even though they're 1-0. The Dallas Cowboys, conversely, had more total yards less penalties, better third down conversion, dominated in time of possession, won the turnover battle, and they feel great about themselves and they lost. This is the difference. The Dallas Cowboys have become the Cleveland Browns of old. And I'm not saying they're going to be as unsuccessful as the Browns were because any football fan that's been around for the last decade plus knows that outside of this past year, the Browns have been a mess for about 25, almost 30 years now. But so have the Cowboys. And this is what happens. This is what I call low sports self-esteem. They have low sports self-esteem. The Dallas Cowboys, nobody talks about this, but I feel like I should. The Dallas Cowboys are one of three teams in the NFC to not make it to the NFC Championship, not the, not the Super Bowl, not make it to the NFC Championship game since 1995. There are only three NFC teams not to make an NFC Championship game since 1995. The Cowboys are one of them. You know what the other two teams are? Washington football team and the Detroit Lions. Those are the other two. And we look at those two franchises like they're the most dysfunctional, unsuccessful franchises in the world. Neither Washington or Detroit has made the NFC Conference game since 1995. They are joined by the Dallas Cowboys, who are picked to win the Super Bowl by some almost every season, regardless of talent. Now look at the Cowboys in Week 1. Yeah, they played well. Dak played well, but he, he didn't really... He wasn't overly aggressive. He's still sort of battling some shoulder ailment. He's not going to be 100% healthy this season. He's going to have games where he kind of flops. It's just natural. Dak's always been like that. And the defense is awful. I don't care what you say about, oh, the defense, you know, they got four turnovers. Well, Chris Godwin sort of gave them a fumble. Both of Brady's interceptions were not his fault. They were a Hail Mary. 
One of their turnovers was on a Hail Mary, and one of them was on a screen pass that Leonard Fournette couldn't catch. And then Ronald Jones, who's clearly the number two back, he's the one that fumbled. And Tampa Bay is one of the worst running games in the NFL. So that's that was Dallas's night on defense. They sort of lucked into two or maybe even three of their turnovers. And then you look at just how much 44-year-old Tom Brady picked that secondary apart. This Cowboys defense is going to be bottom of the league yet again. They're not, they barely improved. They got one nice linebacker in the offseason, Micah Parsons, and even he didn't have a great night Thursday. So this team is not going to be very good this year. Did you know, since 2019, the Cowboys have 17 games where they have not scored 30 points. 17 times since 2019, they have scored 29 or fewer points. Do you know what their record is in those 17 games? 0-17. Yeah, let, let me say that again. They have lost 17 straight games in which they have failed to score 30. 17. When they score 17 or more, they have a better chance to win. But what does that mean? That when they fail to score 30, they can't win. They can only win one way. Their defense hasn't been great in years. Their offense, when they have a bad game, they lose. And they had an okay game against Tampa. But Dak is just one of those quarterbacks that just piles up numbers. Don't mistake this. Please do not mistake a big stat. Dak was 42 of 58, 403 yards, three touchdowns. Don't mistake that for being big-time numbers. In fact, excluding last year in the game he got hurt against the Giants where he missed the last quarter and a half, these are the last four games that Dak Prescott has played, start to finish. 450 yards, one touchdown against Atlanta. 472 yards, three touchdowns against Seattle, 502 yards, four touchdowns against Cleveland, 403 yards, three touchdowns against Tampa Bay. That's his last, he's thrown for at least 400 yards in his last four games as a full starter. And he has thrown the ball at least 57 times in his last three full games. The Cowboys lost all three of those games. One of them by multiple possessions. There's only one way the, da- the Dallas Cowboys can beat you, and that is in a shootout. And even most of the time, then Dallas can't beat you because their defense is so bad. But their defense is so bad that if they, if they don't score 30, they are going to lose. And that's what I fear for this team. As a, as a Cowboys... Longtime Cowboys hater, and not afraid to admit it. You know, I, I'm not, it's not, I don't fear that. I, I wish for that. But look at the quarterbacks they play the rest of the season. They get Justin Herbert on the road next week. That's going to be tough. Okay, they might lose that game too. Then they get a break, they play Jalen Hurts. But Oh, wait. Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback. Dallas doesn't have much of a pass rush and they have an absolutely dreadful secondary. Then they get Carolina, Sam Darnold. They've actually, they're actually 0-1 in their franchise history against Sam Darnold because he sliced them up. So Sam Darnold can slice up the Cowboys. 
Daniel Jones, that's an easy one. Daniel Jones is probably one of the three worst starting quarterbacks in football. Then the Patriots, again, defensively, they're going to suffocate Dak in the defense or in the offense. Then after the bye week, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Mahomes, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston, Fitzpatrick twice, and Kyler Murray. A lot of air raid quarterbacks, a lot of deep stuff. They are going to give up a lot of points this year and be one of the worst defenses in football. And they were in week one. And I know everybody, this is, this is what they do. No one realizes this. This is what the Cowboys do. They lose early games, but they still look competitive. And it allows their fans to look at Dak and look at the Cowboys and say, they're going to be just fine. They might have lost week one to the Bucks, but they made a heck of a game out of it. Everybody remember 2019? The Cowboys actually started that season 3-0, and ended the year 5-8. and Why? They st- their first three games were against New York, Washington, and Miami. Not good opponents. Okay, and so those are their first three games. They were outstanding. Then they played New Orleans and Green Bay, and Minnesota made the playoffs there. New England, Buffalo, Chicago, the Rams, and... Well, actually, they, they they lost almost all of those games. They haven't beaten a good team in what feels like four years now. Dak's last six wins as a starter, head-to-head, these are the quarterbacks. Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, who is not the same Matt Ryan that he used to be, Case Keenum, Jared Goff, who we all hate, Matthew Stafford, excuse me, not Matthew Stafford, Jeff Driscoll was the starting quarterback for the Lions. Jeff, so Jeff Driscoll, Daniel Jones again. And let's throw his win before that in, Carson Wentz, who from year to year had the worst passer rating drop-off in league history. But that's what, those are the last six wins. Two against Daniel Jones, one against Jeff Driscoll, one against Case Keenum, and one against Jared Goff. In, in early last year, three quarterbacks he beat. Eli Manning in his last year, Case Keenum, and Josh Rosen. Those are the quarterbacks Dak has beaten in the last three seasons. Yet we all think this is going to be an MVP guy. This is going to be a playoff team. Look at the quarterbacks they play later in the year. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. Okay, yeah, they've lost to Kirk Cousins before. They've got some tough draws the rest of the season. Kyler Murray. Even Jameis Winston is a tough one. Okay, even Derek Carr, even Matt Ryan and Ryan Fitzpatrick can be a little tough. That's who the Cowboys play later this this year. That's the kind of quarterback that's going to beat them and that's going to out-duel Dak. So when I talk about low sports self-esteem, Cowboys have not made the NFC Championship game in 26 years. So they look at this game and they think, oh, that's a moral victory. That's what losers do. Losers look at losses and think, well, we weren't that bad, so it's basically a win. That's what the Cowboys have become. They wouldn't have accepted this in the early to mid-90s when they dominated the NFL. But now in the early 2020s, they've been irrelevant for almost three straight decades. Not even a, a win away from a win away. Yet they view this as a moral victory. There's only one way you could beat this team. The rest of the season, it's a shootout. Excuse me, that's the only way they can beat you, shootout. If they shut 
if another team shuts the Cowboys offense down, it's over. They're getting, they're literally getting blown out. But Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy and everybody in the Cowboys front office does not understand that you need to build up an offensive line and you need to build up a defense. The Dallas used to have the great wall of Dallas in the nineties. They had a great offensive line five, six years ago. It's not great anymore. The defense certainly is not great anymore. All right, so this weekend, there's a lot of really good matchups. A lot of really good stuff. We have a couple of rookie quarterbacks, three rookie quarterbacks starting week one. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. Trey Lance and uh, Justin Fields are going to be backups. Um, And so I do this every week. I have my predictions for each game, and I'm going to give you the betting line as to what I think is going to be the case for all of these games. There's a lot of good games out there. And so here are my week one odds. These are according to Caesars, these NFL odds. The first game is Steelers at Bills. The line is minus six and a half in favor of Buffalo. And I'm actually going to take the Bills at minus six and a half. Here's why. Buffalo has dom- I mean, Look at the end of last year for Buffalo. Look at the end. Of- I mean, first of all, they beat the Steelers last year by um, 11. They beat the Steelers by 11 at home last year. They're at home week one. Now, the Steelers early on last year, they actually won their first 11 games. But look at Buffalo's last, like, what, what their last eight wins. They won by 10, won by 10, won by 11, won by uh, 29, won by 29, won by 30, won by 3, won by 14. Buffalo, at the end of last year, blew teams out. Because, well, first of all, Josh Allen's one of my dark horse MVP front runners entering the season. Josh Allen in year four, coming off a career season, is only going to get better. The Steelers, in my opinion, are one of the most average teams in the NFL. TJ Watt may not play, and if he does, he didn't practice all summer. So that's their best edge rusher, and that's the only way to stop Josh Allen, and he may not be 100%. The Steelers offensively, Big Ben is 39 He's got a bad old line, unproven running game. This could get ugly because the Bills, one of the better teams down the stretch at putting teams away. They had one of the best point differentials and their offense ranked second in the NFL. Their offense was about, their defense, excuse me, was about league average, but they're only getting more experienced and I like some of the players they have. They got rid of Josh Norman and anybody knows that a defense that has Josh Norman is always going to be significantly worse and that is coming from a not so bitter Washington fan. I like the Bills minus six and a half and I like them to win this game 35 to 21. Next up is Jets at Panthers, and I'm going to take the Jets plus five and a half. Here's why. I like the Panthers to barely win the game, but I like the Jets in the points. The New York Jets have a completely unpredictable offense right now. They have Zach Wilson, their new quarterback. Uh, Carter, Michael Carter, their new running back. Elijah Moore, new wide receiver. They have a new quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator and a new head coach in Robert Sala. They're completely unpredictable. The Carolina Panthers, on the other hand, are a little bit predictable. They haven't made the playoffs in three straight seasons. Matt Rule last year led a team that went 5-11, and and Sam Darnold is bottom three in the NFL and pass rating over the last three seasons. Christian McCaffrey's a little dinged up, still recovering from... He, he didn't barely play last season. And you look at this team up and down, they're in a tough division. They're going to be one of the worst teams in football, Carolina. The Jets will be as well, but 
you know, when a rookie quarterback starts, it is unpredictable. They could win their first career start and not really win much the rest of the season. Dame, uh, look at uh, Marcus Mariota in 2015. Look at Geno Smith with the Jets in 2013. Those guys won their very first career starts the rest of the season. They didn't do a whole lot of winning. The league hadn't prepared for Mariota, hadn't prepared for Geno Smith, hadn't prepared for RG3 back in 2012 or Andrew Luck. And so... So I I find this to be a trap game for the Panthers. It's in Carolina. I think the Panthers win, but Zach Wilson gives them a heck of a duel, and I like the Jets at plus 5.5. It's probably my upset of the week. Jags and Texans. So it is going to be plus Uh, 2.5. So, okay, the Jaguars are 2.5 points, minus 2.5 Jacksonville. I like the Jaguars at minus 2.5. Here's why. I think Houston is easily the worst team, the worst roster in the NFL. They have the worst roster ranked everywhere. You look at every ranking of every roster, the Texans have the worst ranking in everyone. And guess what? They don't have a single rookie starting in week one. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. All the problems the Texans have, no rookies starting with one. It's a team full of veterans. Tyrod Taylor starting. The running backs are David Johnson, Mark Ingram, and Phillip Lindsey. I don't even know who their receivers are. I don't even know who anybody on defense is now that they've lost J.J. Watt. This is going to be a really bad team. Trevor Lawrence making his first career start, albeit on the road. I do like this game for the Jags. I like them at minus 2.5, and and I think they're going to win this game 30-14. to 30-14. to all right, Cardinals at Titans. The line is currently three and a half in favor of Tennessee, and I like the Titans at minus three and a half. The Titans are one of the, I think they're going to be a surprising team this year. They've made the playoffs three of the last four years, yet nobody respects them. In fact, two years ago, they were in the AFC Championship with a chance to beat Mahomes and Andy Reid in Kansas City to make it to the Super Bowl, and they just got Julio Jones, yet everybody acts like this team got worse in the offseason. Look, they've got a veteran head coach in Mike Vrabel who's been around. They've got a veteran quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. They're established. Vrabel and Tannehill have made the playoffs two years in a row together, the only two years they've been together. Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, they're not exactly gelling. They're coming out of the gate. They have a lot to work on. I think the Cardinals are in win-now mode. They went out and got J.J. Watt. They went out and got A.J. Green. But overall, this roster still has some spots that Leave a little bit to desire. They're not a great O-line. Probably one of the worst running games in the NFL. Their starting running back is Chase Edmonds. So what is Tennessee's number one vulnerability? It's allowing big running games. They don't have a big running game, Arizona. So that's going to take away that dimension. They can tee off on the quarterback. I think, and they're at home. They got Julio Jones. That offense is so dynamic with Derrick Henry. I just think this is going to be a trap game for Arizona, who has big potential this season, but I like the Titans to win 28-23 to in Week 1. Chargers at Washington. So the betting line right now is minus 1 in favor of Washington. I'm going to take Washington minus 1, and here's why. There's a lot of factors. I know I'm a, I'm a homer, but I think this, this smells like a Washington Week 1 win. Ron Rivera has historically been really good on opening days, a veteran defensive-minded head coach, one of the better defensive minds in the NFL. They're at home against a West Coast team. That, that's like three time zones over. The Chargers have to come over from the West Coast with a rookie head coach. Justin Herbert's never played in front of a crowd before. Okay, so that's going to be a little rowdy. You know, He's always had the, the luxury 
of having all of his offensive linemen and receivers hear him at the line of scrimmage when he's audibling or or giving a, a a hard count. And he won't have that luxury with fans back in the stands. It's a West Coast to East Coast trip. Washington has one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. They've upgraded at quarterback. They've upgraded some at wide receiver, and their running game and offensive line is still well above average. And they're at home. They have more experience at head coach than the Chargers do. They have more experience at quarterback than the Chargers. Justin Herbert is, is way better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, don't get me wrong, but at least for right now, Ron Rivera, he's more experienced than Brandon Staley. So I like the Washington football team to win in week one, 28-25. Falcons and Eagles. The line is minus three in favor of the Falcons, and I'm going to take the Falcons at minus three. Taking a lot of favorites here. Here's why. I, I just don't think Philadelphia has a good roster at all. I think they're actually one of the worst rosters in the NFL. And Jalen Hurts, they have a coach in over his head and Nick Sirianni making his first ever head coaching appearance. Now, so is the Falcons with Arthur Smith, but the Falcons have a better offense defensively it's going to be a shootout both defenses are awful although Philadelphia does have a better D-line the Falcons offense they added Kyle Pitts they have Calvin Ridley they have all sorts of weapons they don't really have a running game okay they lost Todd Gurley a few years ago lost Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman but they still have enough pieces on offense they're at home I think they have a better head coach and a better quarterback and you know most of the time they win Falcons minus three over a bad Philadelphia roster Seahawks and Colts. So I'm actually going to take the Colts at plus two and a half as an upset. Here's why. And I like the Colts to actually upset the Seahawks in week one. Carson Wentz is a huge upgrade over Phillip Rivers. I know Wentz has had, had the worst passer rating in football a year ago, but the dysfunction in Philadelphia just was too much for him to even handle. So now he goes to a much better situation with a coach he's comfortable with in Frank Reich. Veteran coach, in my opinion, one of the better game planners in the NFL is Frank Reich. And Seattle's defense is not great. And they're still favored to win this game. They're, the betting line is Seattle minus two and a half on the road, which means they are really disrespecting a good Indianapolis roster here. I think this smells upset. I like the Colts to win this game 21-16 to on opening day because the Colts have a really good defense, and I think they're going to have a really big game. Vikings and Bengals. It's minus three in favor of the Vikings, and I'm going to take the Vikings at minus three. The Bengals just – here's the thing about the Bengals. They're so close to being competitive, but we don't know their number one receiver. Their offensive line is still bad. Their running game is still below average, and their defense is still mediocre. And Joe Burrow is coming back from injury, playing for a head coach in Zach Taylor, who has been awful. He hasn't won more than four games in a season and going on his third season as a head coach. The Vikings have a lot of veterans that have been there, done that. Mike Zimmer at head coach, Kirk Cousins at quarterback, Justin Jefferson entering year two. He might be the offensive player of the year when all is said and done. He's just that special. This has a very big potential to be ugly. I think the Vikings win this game 31-17, to 17, maybe 14. It could get ugly. 49ers at Lions. This is going to be one of my upsets of the week, but I'm actually going to take the Lions at plus 8.5. We hate Jared Goff. Okay, we hate Jared Goff. He's the new Detroit starter, and we think Dan Campbell is goofy as a head coach. But think about this. Dan Campbell, well, first of all, Jared Goff, of all number one picks in the history of the NFL, 
the in terms of passer rating for number one overall picks, Peyton Manning is number one. Number two is Jared Goff. Nobody realizes it. Two-time Pro Bowler. He actually can play a little bit. I mean, yes, he was manipulated a little bit by Sean McVay into playing well, but he can still play. He can still make a lot of really nice throws. I don't think they'll win this game, but I think he'll make it competitive because it's not like he's playing the Lions. It's not like he's playing Dwayne Haskins. No, this is Jared Goff, who actually has been to two Pro Bowls, played in the Super Bowl, and has the second highest passer rating of any number one overall pick in league history. He's not that bad. The 49ers have a bit of a problem at quarterback. They have a little bit of a problem with injuries. They, they have a lot of guys coming back from significant injuries. Don't know how they'll be up to speed. And so, oh, and what I was going to say about Dan Campbell, we think he's a goofy head coach. He was an interim head coach for 12 games back in 2015 with the Dolphins. He went 5-7. and seven. That's not terrible. And that was a bad Dolphins team. It's not a bad, that's not bad. So everyone who, who doubts him, you know, I, I tend to think that this is going to be, and uh, Lions cover. I think 49ers win, but I, I think the Dolphins cover. And overall, it, it should be an entertaining game. It's one of my low-key entertaining games of the upcoming season. All right, Browns and Chiefs. Browns are giving five and a half. Uh, excuse me. The, the Chiefs have a five and a half. It's the five and a half point spread for the Chiefs. Here is my prediction. I'm taking the Chiefs at minus five and a half over Cleveland, who almost made the AFC championship game a year ago. Yeah, I think they're losing by six or more points. Here's why. Here's why. Patrick Mahomes, in the month of September, 10 starts. Listen to these numbers. 10 September starts for Mahomes in his career. 10 and 0, 67.6 completion rate. Uh, 330 passing yards a game, 32 touchdowns, zero interceptions, almost nine yards an attempt, a passer rating of 124. That's Mahomes in the month of, and 10 September starts in the month of September. Look, Cleveland, by the way, Cleveland hasn't won on opening day in forever, and Mahomes is better than Baker Mayfield. Andy Reid is better than Kevin Stefanski. This has all the makings of a game that could get ugly and out of hand. I think the Chiefs win this game 40-30. to 30. It will be a weird score, but the Browns will be trailing at one point like 40-23 to 23 or 40-20. to 20. They'll come back and make a little bit of a game out of it, but it's still going to be a pretty easy Kansas City win. All right, a few more. Uh, I'll go a little quickly here. Dolphins-Patriots, the favorite is New England. Uh, I'm taking an upset here, and the Dolphins plus three. Miami just has a better roster. New England's roster is unproven. It's a lot of moving parts. They spent a ton of money in free agency. Dolphins are established. Brian Flores is always coaching inspired against Miami. Okay, He, he actually is 2-2 two and two in his career head-to-head -head against Bill Belichick. He's given him fits outside of one game in 2019 uh, when he was tanking. Outside of that, the Dolphins actually put up a lot of good fights against New England in their history. And Tua is more established than Mac Jones. We don't know anything about but This is a disrespectful betting line in towards Tua because this is them saying on the road or at home, excuse me, they trust Mac Jones to beat second-year man Tua, even though we've never seen Mac Jones. He was a mid-first-round pick, and Tua went 6-3 and three in nine rookie starts. This has upset written all over it. I'm taking the Dolphins to cover and win 27-20 to 20 over the Patriots. Broncos, Giants, I like the, I like. Denver at minus three here. Uh, the Giants are just too beat up. They have one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. So do the Broncos. 
But Teddy Bridgewater's proven he can win, and Daniel Jones, outside of playing Washington, cannot prove that he will win. So I, I, I really do like the Broncos to win this game, go on the road, and win in week one in New York. I, I say this is a 27-16 game, and the Broncos score a defensive touchdown. Saints and Packers, I this is an easy one. Packers clearly at minus four on the road in New Orleans, technically in Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. The, uh, the Saints have so many new pieces on offense. Jameis Winston at quarterback, they don't have any receivers. And Aaron Rodgers is coming off an MVP year. He's coming off a season where Devontae Adams was one of the better receivers in the league. They're both coming back. They both have incredible rapport. The Saints don't have anybody on offense outside of Jamison Kamara. It's going to be, a, it's going to be you know, not terribly ugly. I'm picking 30 to, 30 to 23 Green Bay because Jamis doesn't ever go down lightly, but they're going to win the game. All right. Um, let's see. Bears and Rams. The Sunday night game, uh, this is an easy one, but I'm taking the Rams minus seven and a half. They are just so overwhelmingly better than Chicago is. The Bears are starting Andy Dalton, who looked awful in the preseason and reportedly looked awful in training camp. And Andy Dalton on the field, we can all tell, has looked awful for about three or four years now. And now he's going on the road with fans in the stadium at SoFi against one of the better defenses in the NFL. It's got ugly written all over it. I'm picking 35-13 to 13 L.A. Monday night, Ravens and Raiders. I'm picking Baltimore, excuse me, Las Vegas at minus 4.5 at home. Um, no, excuse me, that's the Raiders plus 4.5 at home. The Ravens have lost everybody. They don't have their number one corner, and they don't have their top three running backs. This is going to be pretty much an easy one. Uh, the Raiders... They need to win, and a week one Monday night primetime win would go a long way for that coaching staff in front office. They're going to play inspired. I, I, I'm picking them to win. There you have it. All right, so that is my week one predictions. Uh, we'll check back in hopefully Monday, uh, but NFL Sunday is tomorrow for the first time all season. We have NFL football. It is so exciting to have everybody with us here. On the Jadavis Show, I will be your host all season as we break down the NFL season. You can even go back and listen to my hot takes after the 2019 season, during the 2020 season. I've been doing this for a few years now, and it is great to be back for my second season in the podcast world covering the NFL. Uh, like and subscribe. Direct your friends to this podcast, whatever you want to do, and I would love the opportunity to... I do this more often, but I do work a lot, so bear with me if you are one of those avid fans and you know who you are. All right, so those are my week one predictions. That's my breakdown on the Cowboys and the Bucks. As far as my services go, you have been listening to the Jadava Show. I'm your host, Jacob Valliere. We will see you all next week. Have a great opening Sunday, everybody.